Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And it's in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. May God bless the reading of the word. Thanks be to God. Well, even if we didn't have a structural predicament, things would have been different today. As we've said, today marks the start of a new season in the church, Advent, the four weeks leading up to the birth of Jesus. And while some of you may be still eating Thanksgiving food or reeling from the Iron Bowl, we are quickly approaching Christmas. We are four weeks away. So here in the church, we will spend the next four weeks preparing and anticipating, watching and waiting for those signs breaking through. This time of year, we know all about waiting, especially if you think back to when you were a child anticipating Christmas. My family and I, we would do all the festive things. We would decorate for Christmas. We would watch holiday movies. We would go to Bellingrath Gardens. We would drive around and look at all the Christmas lights. We would see Santa. We would decorate cookies. We did it all. But in the back of our minds, no matter how spectacular all of those things were, We were counting down the days until Christmas Day. We would say, okay, only 12 more sleeps, and then 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, and then finally it was Christmas Eve, the night full of anticipation in the eyes and mind of a child. The the children of a pastor means we went to all the Christmas Eve services and then came home, ate dinner, fell asleep to a movie, and you know, tried to sleep the whole night. But again, my sister and I were full of anticipation. So we would wake up even earlier than usual and go to my parents' room because the cruel thing is even on Christmas morning, even when we had made it to Christmas Day, we weren't allowed to rush the process. We had to go to their room first. We were not allowed to go straight to the living room. And we had to wait what felt like years for them to get up, go to the bathroom, brush their teeth, bring out the tripod, put on the big black video camera, put a tape in, close it, and then we could enter the room. There's nothing like the anticipation of Christmas morning for a child. Getting to unwrap gifts that were specially picked out just for you is something undescribable. It's such a rush. But I think part of the Christmas experience is having to wait. It is counting down the days. It is waiting these four weeks in the church where we slowly bring in more decorations and more songs of Christmas. If we started opening Christmas presents the day after Thanksgiving, Christmas morning wouldn't be nearly as special. There are important lessons we can glean from these times of waiting and anticipation. Thus, we have Advent in the church. Advent forces us to slow down. 
These four weeks are an intentional time to consider what all of this means. The reason for the season, if you will. Because the truth is, we need Advent. Without it, the frantic pace of decorating, parties, performances, baking, hosting, cooking, planning, would be totally overwhelming. Amid the holiday rush, observing Advent creates an inward calm, or it can create an inward calm. When we approach the four weeks before Christ's birth, thinking about what that must have been like and picturing the Israelites who long ago were awaiting a Messiah who would come and save them, we can keep ourselves focused on what really matters in this season. We also make ourselves open to God's transformative power which is moving in us as we wait and prepare. So for the next four weeks, we are going to be in a sermon series called Unwrapping the Gifts of Advent. Those four gifts are symbolized by the four virtues of Advent, which correspond with a candle each week. So earlier in our service, the Griggs family lit the candle of hope for us. We all read this line together from Psalm 33. We wait in hope for the Lord. Hope is a virtue of the Christian faith, but it's not a purely religious word. Hope means to expect or desire a certain thing. It can be a wish, an ambition, an aim, an aspiration. In this time of year, we also know about hoping. There are children in all of our lives who are hoping for a specific Christmas gift. There are high school seniors hoping to get into their dream college and to get the scholarship that they are hoping for. There are single young professionals hoping that they will meet someone they can spend their lives with. There are married couples that are hoping for a baby. And there are young families who are hoping there's no more RSV, cold, flu, or COVID in their households. We know what it is to hope, to have an urgency within us for an outcome that we would do anything we could to will it to happen the way we want it to. But the tension there is that with most things in our lives, there's no assurance or guarantee that these hopes will unfold the way we would want. But there is one exception, only one thing in which we can place a hope that is sure that is steady, that will not fail, and will not disappoint us. And according to Paul, that is the hope we have in Christ. Paul begins Romans 5 with a big theological statement about what it means to be justified by faith. Scholars and teachers and theologians since then have wrestled with what exactly it means to be justified by faith, and how on earth does it happen? Well, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, he came up with his understanding of what it means to be justified by faith in a sermon called The Scripture Way of Salvation. For Wesley, justification is a part of the process of salvation. But even before justification, Wesley claims that God's grace has been active in our lives. Wesley called it prevenient grace or preventing grace, which goes before all of us, even before we are aware of it, preventing us from living without the love of God, being outside of the realm of God. For Wesley, the next step in the process towards salvation was us 
waking up to the knowledge of God's grace in our lives, realizing that God has been calling us, reaching out toward us, and it's when we make the decision to repent of our sins, to turn towards God, and to justify our relationship with God. I like how Leanne says, it's just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justifying grace is. So in that moment, we are pardoned, we are forgiven, and we are entered into this new relationship, this new stage of our relationship with God. And actually, I thought this was really interesting. Wesley gained a lot of this understanding from Paul's words in Romans 5. In his sermon, he says, The immediate effects of justification are the peace of God and a rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. After justification, Wesley believed that the process continues. After we experience that justifying grace, we become sanctified, and we begin the continual process towards salvation with sanctifying grace. Wesley and Paul come to the same conclusion, that since we are justified by grace, we have peace for life eternal with God. God's justifying grace means we can have hope for eternal glory. And this all sounds great. I mean, who couldn't agree with this? Sign me up, right? This sounds awesome. But then Paul says something really strange that might make us hesitate a little more on the sign me up train. He says, not only can we hope in our future glory, but we also hope in our sufferings. We boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which produces hope. Now, what on earth does that mean? The dilemma that this text brings to us is how can suffering produce in us traits of endurance, character, and hope that will not disappoint us? I don't know about you, but for me, this is very difficult. This is a hard pill to swallow. I am an overactive worrier. I am a spiraler. When, my, when someone that I love is hurt or suffering, when I am hurt or suffering or in pain emotionally, physically, it doesn't matter, I would do anything I can to make it go away. And usually what that looks like for me is constantly worrying. It is anxiety on top of anxiety. And I know, rationally, that does nothing to help the situation. I just spin. I spiral and spin and spin. It's hard for me in the moment of pain or suffering or hardship to see beyond what's right in front of me. And I think that's true for most of us. In those moments of hardship, it is hard to see beyond the step that you are on. And in our culture that is fast-paced and we like quick fixes, this is really difficult. We like easy solutions, fast solutions. I mean, when we have a question, we can ask Siri. When we are hungry, we can order Grubhub. And when we need to purchase a Christmas present, I bet everyone in this room ordered something on Amazon over the past week. But when it comes to the larger problems of suffering and pain in this life, problems that are often complex and even unfixable, it's a different story. There's nothing quick or easy about a cancer diagnosis. There's nothing quick or easy about losing a loved one, or abuse, or neglect, or loneliness, or betrayal. 
To be able to move forward in the face of hardship takes something beyond ourselves. It requires the hope that we can receive from Christ. Because the hope that God gives is a hope that will not disappoint us. This hope is not just wanting things to be better or different. This hope is not a form of denial about how bad things are or how they could be a lot worse. Rather, God's gift God's gift of hope is a gift, and it is a Christian virtue that helps us trust in God's ability to bring about goodness and light and life, even from situations that seem dire. It's recognizing God who can bring life out of suffering and light out of darkness. Hope, it's what sets Christians apart from the rest of the world, because we believe that there is more going on than meets the eye that suffering and hardship in this life will not have the final word. In effect, hope completes the chain of suffering, endurance, character, and then we get to hope, so that suffering can never have the final word. Throughout Advent, we remember the faith and courage of the Holy Family, of Mary and Joseph, who were vessels for God's hope coming down to earth. God could have extended this divine, life-saving hope any way he wanted to. But God did it in the form of a tiny, vulnerable baby. Matthew chapter 1 says this. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus." for he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. From this announcement forward, Mary and Joseph endured their share of suffering, of hardship, of persecution in the face of this strange situation they found themselves in with the miraculous conception. But all the while, they trusted in this word they received from God through the angel Gabriel. They trusted that God would carry them through what was no doubt a very long nine months. And we can look now at their story and see how suffering can produce endurance, which leads to character, which leads to hope. So as we, 2,000 years later, unwrap the gifts of Advent this season... I invite you to participate in an intentional Advent. Sure, there will be plenty of things to do, gifts to buy, plans to make, and parties to host. But amid the hustle and bustle, let's remember how this story started. Advent is a time to remember the gift of God's hope. It is a season to retell the story of God who loved humanity so much that he sent his only son 
that if they believed in him, they could have everlasting life. And Advent is a reminder that Jesus will come again in glory. So let us wait expectantly. Let us wait with eagerness and anticipation. And let us not be surprised when we experience this season anew. In the name of God, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen.